This is an AMI podcast. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Double Tap for Friday. It is the 30th of December 2022. It's almost 2023. And uh, we continue with our seven days of 2022, the review with Talk on Twitter. Welcome to Double Tap 7 Days of 2022, the big accessible tech review. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Yes, Sean, it is finally here. We had to do it at some point. We didn't the, have to. No, we did. You wanted to. You love Twitter. I you do, can't get enough of it. Hang on, I'm just checking. I'm just checking. Yes. yes. Still there. It's still there. Despite the endless <laughs> procl- proclamations of doom that you know this thing will just collapse and die, uh, it hasn't died yet. It's still working. It has very few staff working there, and it's still working fine. I don't know what that says about the company. I don't know what it says about how many people used to work there. Well, um, but it's still going. Yeah, I don't think it was ever going to collapse. I think it'll explode, maybe, and die. Um, like a star. We- we will wait and well, I don't know, like a toxic start. We will wait and see. The content moderation, that's the thing for me. What's going to happen there? Yeah, nothing will change. Uh, I can guarantee you that nothing yeah. will change that has ha- right. because nothing has changed since the day Twitter was launched or any other social network for that matter. You know, it amazes me that people have literally decided this year that Elon Musk is to blame for Twitter, specifically Twitter, and all of its ills, when in fact, I have to say, social media has been a toxic environment since the day it launched, since Bebo and MySpace were a thing. Oh, God, you're going back. Hello, Grandad. Absolutely. Yeah, but, I mean, come on now. Some of the some of the statements from Elon have been questionable at, at best. I mean, the the not banning disinformation about COVID and things like that. I mean, surely, how can you justify that? But, but again, how seriously do you take that? I mean, do you take that? Does that change your life when he says that stuff? Does that, does that, I mean, are you affected no, no, by no, that no, to no, the no, point no, that you say, oh, well, I mean, you know, if Elon says it, then it must be true. So, I mean, you know, if he's saying that the COVID vaccination is a joke or whatever, then, you know, that, that, that must be true. I don't care what Elon has to say on the matter. He so what difference does it make? Crazy. It matters because... He is the head of a social platform, and social platforms have a responsibility for the content. They just do. I see. Mm. I find this. I find this response of, well, you know, how could you possibly manage and monitor and moderate content when there's, you know, millions and millions and maybe billions, I don't know, of posts every single day? It's impossible. Well, in that case, you shouldn't be running if you can't moderate. Just because we have the uh, the technology that can make uh, offer these platforms and run these platforms doesn't mean we should run them. If you can't moderate that content, if there is any possibility of any inappropriate images or you know any abuse of any kind going on on that social platform, then sorry, you should pull the plug or you're held responsible for it. But wow, we started off strong. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I get, of course, content moderation is important. And, you know, it absolutely, I think, you know, that company is still, sadly, it's, it's kind of going backwards because, you know, it clearly did have content moderation panels and there was work being done, although I still don't think it was enough. And I don't know if that would ever be enough, to be honest with you. I mean, like you say, the problem is the amount of people who are posting yeah, I mean, constantly. That's not a problem. That's well, what it is. No, I'm not saying that's a problem. How do you? How do you? I mean, people say, "Oh, how do you? How do you fix it? How do you content moderate millions of people posting content every single day?" Well, when every it comes minute. down, to, when it comes down to something like disinformation, it, it, very difficult, incredible, incredibly difficult, and that's where you do need some sort of content moderation staff there. And even then, you know, as the Twitter files apparently showed, you know, maybe there's some bias there and maybe something's deemed as disinformation when it shouldn't be. So incredibly difficult. But I'm sorry, I think there's some lines in the sand which are absolutely... I mean, you can have an algorithm looking out for specific words or even specific images and blocking them. And that that, that does run on, on Twitter and other social platforms. There's algorithms that do that and mark it automatically. Of course there is. But sorry, it's not good enough. 
I, I, I just don't think if you can't if we can't control it, then we don't have it. Simple as that. Yeah, well, we're not allowed to have nice things. This is why we're not allowed nice things. <laughs> because we keep breaking them. And well, when it's we not say a nice we, thing until they can make it a nice thing. When I no 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 see stop this they this is the they I'm sick hearing of they no, it's their someone responsibility. else's no, nothing to do with me I can say whatever I like it's up to you to police me no, no, no nonsense no, 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 I'm not no, into that come on guys take responsibility for your own lives you are the ones who are posting this stuff if you're posting horrible stuff then you're responsible for it and you should be dealt with and you will be dealt with there are laws in countries that exist already mm -hmm. to deal with a lot of this there are people already being pulled up because of of what they've said on Twitter, not by the media, but by law, by police, by people in local countries or you know specific how often countries. That happens. I mean, the the, the uh, well, it the happens often of, enough. The amount of work involved in tracking someone down, especially when you got to go through these companies and try and drag them through court to get the information about someone who's maybe posted something, it's a slow process, and there's no need for it. If they, if that sort of content didn't go through in the first place because the company were responsible enough to cut it out and get rid of that before it went out, then there wouldn't be as much of an issue as there is. Well, the answer is you verify people and that's what Elon wants to do. Well, there you go. Let's have the internet passport and then we're back to perfect. Thank you. There you go. See, you and Elon are on the same page on this. No, no, no. no. Ah, see, no. there you go. You're on the same page. You want verification. <laughs> oh, I want verification, but I do want Elon's verification. No, no. I want my own verification, which is I different. I want verification when it meant same. actually certifying your identity. That's not what it means anymore. So you're going further than Elon. I would go further than Elon, yes. Elon's not doing anything other than trying to get a revenue stream for... Uh, I don't know what street cred of a, a tick or less Sean's adverts or police promotion? state coming soon. Absolutely, we Excellent. need it. Look forward to that. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, look, we're not going to get into the whole discussion on freedom of speech and all that stuff because I think we talked about it so much this year. And to be honest, that wasn't the biggest part of this. I mean, yes, it's a major plank of this whole of this whole sorry conversation, but. I think for us specifically as blind people, that there were some bigger concerns here. That was, of course, the, the number of staff who had been let go. Almost half the team were let go earlier this year from Twitter. Even Elon Musk took over. And in amongst that were the entire accessibility team. And that's something we cannot really, you know, no matter what side of this argument you sit on, it's very hard to find justification for that because this is a huge part of making this app available to us as blind people. And if this starts to fall apart, and, you know, I, I don't agree with the, you know, it's all going to collapse and it'll not work. I mean, it's like a, I had the analogy, it's like a house, you know, it'll, it will fall apart over time, but it's not going to do it right away. You can abandon a house, but, you know, it will take a few years before things start to change. Now, the only thing I would say there is that, unlike an old house, if you abandon it and everything stays the same, Twitter is obviously going to bring in new features. It's going to bring in new things. And the problem is when it brings those things in because it doesn't have an accessibility team, then, you know, that might not work. And that's where the problems will likely begin. So I think that, you know, there are definitely concerns here. I share those concerns. But we actually got, um, we, we did a, a series of shows actually when this happened. And one of the people we spoke to was uh, Poppy Greenfield, who's a fantastic uh, person. She's a podcaster. And she uh, came on to talk about her experience. She, I was following her tweets on, on online for a while, and she really values Twitter because she finds it as a way, and she has found it as a way to connect with what she calls her tribe, her people. Uh, and that's where a lot of people have found common ground with people. They've found friendships. You know, it's, it's more than just tweeting what you had for dinner last night, right? It's way more than that for a lot of people. It's about connection. It's about community. The pandemic really brought that into focus for a lot of people who just, you know, highlighted that a lot of disabled people, they don't go out. They never go out. This is how we communicate. This is how we connect. You and I, we met on an app not dissimilar to this, right? It was a, an audio channel called Zello. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and we, you know, we met on that. And that's, you know, and, and <laughs> you know, because we've been forced to, we've met. But, you know... <laughs> Otherwise, we would, you and I would admit we'd be quite happy sit in our sheds and relevant offices and rooms and just sit and talk to each Absolutely other. Absolutely right. Yeah, it's, it's easier, right? I mean, you think of all the challenges and trials and tribulations of trying to travel across the country to meet when you can just chat like this. Um, yeah. So I you agree. know th th that's that's where obviously this came in. Now let's. I want to. I want to play this in. It's got a long clip, but I want to play this in from uh, Poppy because her conversation was really interesting when I spoke to her earlier this year, following the news that uh, Elon Musk had fired the entire Twitter accessibility team. This was her 
initial response. Pure grief, I have to admit. It, it, it was almost, um, it feels like a really messy breakup almost. I mean, so much of not just my life and my career and my foundations in so many areas of life, but also my community and my friends have shared those similar experiences. And I think especially watching like friends from the accessibility team get dropped overnight <laughs> that's terrifying um so it almost felt just like, like a grieving um and horrendous frankly <laughs> um i feel like there are no words for it really hmm. it's tough isn't it because obviously accessibility is something we have been pushing for as a disabled community for so long uh in every walk of life and every application and every situation we we push for more accessibility and i think that I've certainly said for a long time on my shows that I often worry about accessibility just being literally the rug being pulled out from below the team and, and that's it, it's gone. I wasn't expecting not just the rug, but the whole team to go with it as well. Um, and that actually is quite worrying, isn't it, that that can happen in 2022? It's terrifying that there's a standard being set too, um, that we're making this progress and it's taken years and years. I mean, I was on Twitter over a decade ago before there was even Accessibility Mind and the stark contrast between then and now is just incredible. Like leaps and bounds have been made. And for that just to be like with a click overnight taken away from us is just, I can't get my head around it. And I also don't know how it's legal to be quite frankly. Um, <laughs> um, but also scary. And there are because- questions about that, right? There are questions about the legalities mm. of this in certain countries and certain places um, in America, for sure, under the Americans with Disabilities Act in the UK, I'm sure that legislation would, prevent this kind of thing from happening we'd like to think hopefully <laughs> i think um, in terms of employment there are definitely probably some oversteps that be made but it also makes me think about um social media is such a public domain a public space it's almost like the modern day town hall uh, is that should that now be included as a public space like how the ada covers public spaces government funded spaces um similar to the equality act in the uk how should we now approach social media when clearly it has such an impact on our day-to-day lives and community. Um, I don't think it should be like this, frankly. <laughs> I think it's really shown a massive like gap in an, an oversight, really, in t- how we as a society have approached social media. Um, massive oversight, frankly. But in saying all of that, you want to stay on Twitter. You want to stay there and continue to post and continue to, I don't want to say support the platform, but support the people who are on the platform with you, who you, you know, friends, people you've come to know, this community that you've built up around you? I think um, my day-to-day life, just getting through the day is almost an act of resistance for me, being chronically ill, living in the times we are. um, Disabled people don't want to be seen, they don't want to be heard, and just existing is enough. And I think that also rings true for social media and sticking to our guns. I hate that saying, but it's true. Um, What we've created and what we've built it shouldn't go the way of the night. We should stand our ground. And I also think there's a case to be made for those who are unable to switch to other social medias. We can't leave them behind. Um, I think it's, it comes on selfish roots. I understand wanting to switch because it's overwhelming and you don't know what the future is like and it's better just to, you know, drop all your eggs and go, <laughs> if that's even a saying. Um, but it makes you think, should we be leaving behind those who have no other option for social media, who will be... Um, isolated further by people jumping ship from Twitter. And for me, it's a case of just sticking out. I also, I've seen Twitter go through lots of different changes and it's always, and this is definitely the scariest, I will admit, even it has me quaking in my boots. Um, <laughs> but I think it is a case of sticking out and it's an act of resistance to do that because how can we let go of something that we've built and curated and with so much care and empathy and thought? Um, yeah, it's just heartbreaking, really. I want to dig into that a bit because I'm going to assume that you're younger than me. I'm not going to ask what age you are because that's not gallant. But what I will, what I, will I am going to make an assumption that you're younger than me. And I grew up in a, in a world without any social media, without any of this at all. And I am kind of used to that world. I could go back to that world. I could come off Twitter tomorrow. I, I wouldn't miss much. But I feel that your generation is different. I feel that you 
it, it, this is more to you than just an app on a device. This is, this is. I mean, for me, Twitter was about getting access to news in an easy way. You know, keeping up with friends, I suppose, was part of it. But really, it was about receiving information, not really about having a conversation. But that has changed, and people who are using the app now feel that way. You certainly feel that way, right? Definitely. I always see Twitter as an infrastructure and a tool. Um, it's beyond just, you know, a fun place to post silly memes. Um, it truly is a fabric in our society. I saw a tweet, and I will not take credit for this thought piece, but someone was basically explaining that if we no longer have access to Twitter, even those who aren't currently on Twitter will also lose information because i don't know if you have people around you like this i am that person who drips feed information that they find out from twitter to their friends mm. and family especially <laughs> with covid yeah like a lot of things are covid or like uh, natural disasters i'm finding them out instantly and i don't know where else i would find that out in such a concise and like easy way it's, it's such an accessible way to get current news like, in the moment um for also safety as well. Like I've used it to make sure that when I'm in London, for example, I've been in London during some terror attacks and whatever, just making sure I'm in the right places. Um, so it's a tool and it's infrastructure. And I don't think those who are off Twitter may see it as, oh, you know, you can just come off at any time. It affects all of us in a weird, weird way um, that even my loved ones, like my friends and family who aren't on Twitter are going to feel the effects of it because it sounds so self-centered, but uh, me, me and like, people like me aren't there to sort of drip feed that information and just check in and be like, oh, is this place safe? Let me just check. Yeah. Um, I feel like there's, you could, there's a case to be made for Facebook and everything, but I think Facebook can be a bit slower in terms of instant um, instant media and news. So That's the yeah. point, isn't it? That actually the, the bigger point here is where else do we go? What else is available out there that is available and is similar? Now, a lot of people seem to be talking about Mastodon as a place to go, but that's that's a different kind of platform. Uh, it is decentralized, so it doesn't have that ownership, but there are some questions about who does own what on Mastodon because it is all based on individual servers as opposed to one entire network. What's, what's your take on on this sudden rush to Mastodon? So with Mastodon, I kind of see it as almost like a glorified Discord um, server with like added Twitter features in. I don't know how sustainable it's going to be in particular for advocacy. Um, I feel like there's almost more of a push to stay in your own sort of bubbles in that. And it, I feel like it might be really hard to get information out. Um, I, I see the case for it being really great for some people in the disabled community who may want to build community and sort of stay in, in those support systems. Completely understand that. But I think also <laughs> it is could be slightly dangerous as these um, servers are controlled by one person. Um, they can decide overnight if they want to include you in that server or not. You have to stay in their good graces. And I think that's quite a scary thing to, like, again, go through basically what happened with Twitter where you, you lose everything overnight. Um, I don't think it's exactly what we're looking for for the next thing just yet. And I think people are just struggling to find something and they're just jumping on whatever everyone else is saying. Um because I've been on Mastodon and I just don't think it fits what we're looking for, frankly. And also accessibility wise, I don't see any anything in a particular where I'm like, ah, yes, that's like on par with Twitter. Or I can see my blind and visually impaired folks like using this or, oh, yes, captions on um, video content on there. I just think there's so much improvement to be made. Almost will be like going back a step in terms of social media and isolating again more disabled people from jumping to another ship. Um, I don't know what your take is on it. <laughs> well, I, I'll be honest. I, I signed up and I was a little mm, bit confused um, because I realized I had to pick a server. And that was when I learned about the whole server distribution, essentially, that there's all these different places you can go and... I don't really know how that works. I realize someone described it as like being in a school. You can be in a classroom, so you pick a classroom to be in, but you can also then communicate with all the other school pupils from that one place, I suppose. So that's maybe one way to look at it. But um, I think it's, it's, it's a time will tell. Uh, and in terms of accessibility, I think there are some applications that do make it easier for blind people to use. So that's good news. But you know, accessibility isn't just about that, is it? It's about accessibility to other people. And that's what Twitter gives to you. Mm, I think one point I wanted to make about Mastodon is so complicated. Um, I am neurodivergent and I struggle also have chronic um, cog cognitive like difficulties and 
um, chronic fatigue. So the idea of learning a new platform and it's one that is so complicated. Like I've seen these threads on Twitter that are like 10 tweets long at least about how to use Mastodon. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Like, do I have to learn this to like keep up with all my friends now? Yeah. Um, it's very totally overwhelming. Yeah. Um, and I feel like if, if I'm not getting it, how are like my parents or people who aren't exactly on social media going to get it? Because <laughs> I feel like my social media knowledge is pretty, pretty decent. And if I'm not getting it, then I think that is also a co- like a cause for concern with accessibility as well. Um, off topic, but also. <laughs> well, no, no, but it's relevant, right? And, and, and the yeah. question is, what would Elon Musk have to do for Poppy to say I'm out? Oh, gosh, that's a hard one. Um, that's actually a really, really good question. I think potentially limiting my community and in some way harming them further. We have already been harmed, obviously. But I think perhaps I've heard that they're going to potentially um, deactivate accounts that haven't been used in like 30 days or a year. I don't know the exact criteria. But if it became more like that, I also think if harassment gets worse, obviously we've seen the news over the last week about the amount of awful slurs being used. Mm. Um, I think if that became the normal and just like the expected um, lifestyle on Twitter, that would have, if that's going to be the future, then I don't think I want to be part of it, frankly. Um, it's just ethics <laughs> and morals. Like, I just can't. Um, frankly, we're not there yet, but potentially, yeah, it could get, it could get to that point. But I'm very um, stubborn. <laughs> you can really hear the pain in Bobby's voice there, Sean. You know, that, that she's going through this, this, she said at the top, you know, she feels it's like a, a grief, like a breakup, you know, yeah. of losing this, potentially losing this. And of course, you don't have to leave Twitter, but the problem that Bobby's facing, that we're all facing, I guess, even in the blind community is when, you know, essentially the people we have come to follow are going away, they're leaving the platform, then you kind of feel, okay, what do I do? Because now I'm left. Now I'm I'm I have to go and learn this new thing and I, I don't feel capable of doing that. I certainly felt that. I was as I said in the interview, you know, I, I was very confused by Mastodon. I still am. Yeah, but it's more than that, isn't it? I like the the, the strength and the weight of the words that Poppy was using there, you know, with grief and that it, it's that that community she's built up with her friends, it, it is everything. And you, you can't just walk away from that unless you all walk out together. <laughs> I can totally understand that. And that question you asked at the end there, you know, what would it take for you to actually leave? That's the million dollar question. At what point do you say enough is enough? And I think it's, it's a really difficult question. But yeah, I, I think she spoke really passionately. And it's that's that's someone who I, I think, you know, you mentioned age. And I, I do think actually that is relevant as well. Mm. Uh, I think it is. It, it just shows how important Twitter is to some people. Some, well, this yeah. is it. I, I don't come to it with that take because I'm just not that age. I, I, I didn't grow up with it the way that, that Poppy has and others have. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, so I don't want to... And that's not to diminish No, exactly. I don't want to do heard. that because... No. Because actually, because for her, it's as valuable as the radio was to me as a kid. You know, exactly to me, the radio right. was my connection to the outside yes. world. yes. And, you know, today that would be like, what, the radio? Really? But, you know, I'm old, right? So, you know, that's, to me, it was <laughs> the radio. I, I was, yeah. That was the only thing I had that gave me any kind of sense of what was going on outside the four walls I was growing up in. Um, and that's, and I guess that's Twitter today. And I guess that will be whatever tomorrow. But, you know, I, I know I said this earlier in the year, but I really, I do worry about, and I get annoyed at the people who've kind of just, especially the people in our community who, I think, frankly, should know better. The ones who have left Twitter and left behind their followers. I find that pretty, I find that pretty horrible, actually. There's no need for it, I don't think. I mean, there's no reason why you couldn't stay on Twitter and stay, you know, and build up a following and Mastodon at the same time. But there are people out there who have just abandoned their following completely. Abandoned their followers. Now, you see, that's an interesting way to take it. The thing I was making about Poppy and her having a social circle out there and, and friends, is that different from followers? And if someone leaves and as abandons their followers, is that not leading by example saying, look, I can't stand behind what this platform is doing, the direction they're, they're heading, and I'm going to leave? Isn't that, isn't well, that good, a good thing? It depends on your morals. I mean, I think, you know, I, I tend to think about people first rather than 
than institutions or corporations. And I think that, you know, if I have a following of people, and I, I mean, I'm not really talking about me here because I, my following is small and, you know, I respect and love every one of the people who've decided to hit that follow button. I'd really thank you for it. But, you know, and I'm not going to abandon anyone because, yep. you know, I, following, I feel... Followers are different from friends, would you say? Uh, yes. I mean, I, I think that's. I think there's, there's a difference between what I'm talking about and what Poppy's talking about. Yeah, exactly. Because Poppy's talking about a, a friendship, a community of friends who she's built up with. And, you know, I think if they were to start to leave, that would that would actually have more of a fundamental impact on Poppy than, for example, someone, some individual in the community who lots of people might look up to. Yes, exactly. Just disappearing yeah. off the platform. Yeah. But, you know, I still think it's, it, it's, and it's disingenuous in a lot of ways, because in a way it says, well, you know, I'm all about the community and I'm all about supporting the, the people in my community, but I'm, I'm not going to be around here in any way, you, in, in a way that you can contact me because I'm off to this new thing that you have to, and if you want to follow me on it, you've got to go over there. I'm just like, really? Now, look, at the same time, I'm not obsessed with staying on Twitter. You know, I mean, I'm, this is the thing that I feel over the year, I've been sort of watching this develop. I'm, I'm just not that, there was a time where I was the, you know, immediately try the new thing. Let's jump on Mastodon. Let's try this. Let's try that. But, you know, I've come to a, a realization in my older years that, you know, actually friendships and, and those relationships, those connections are more valuable than that. It's more valuable than the platform. And, you know, you know, all these people are jumping off. If, if Elon sells Twitter tomorrow or by now, by the time this goes out, um, and he sold it and he's moved on and Jack Dorsey's come back and everyone's all cheering and happy because, you know, Twitter's back to being the cesspit it once was. Yes, because it was a cesspit before as well. Oof. But okay, so it's back to the cesspit but under a different leader. Uh, and everyone's happy about that. Yes, figure that one out. But, you know, okay, fine, right? So then that's it. We're back to where we started and, and suddenly all these people have been moved away to somewhere else. I don't know. And also the whole echo chamber and silo thing, you know, I kind of, I get where Poppy's coming from with this, you know, if hate is beginning to rear its head. And I know there yes. are people who are certainly getting, I know some people I follow who have said in the disability community that they are facing more um, horrible comments, more, um, you know, disgusting remarks made towards them, more yes. trolling going on. And um, if I'm being brutally honest about it, I think that that's, that's just that is part of our life, and I think if you if you don't want to get that, and I, and I totally understand why someone might want to avoid that. I totally totally understand Who that. Wouldn't? Yeah, no, I get it. But, but no, but my point is that that's going to happen anyway, and I just fear that we silo ourselves too much. We put ourselves into echo chambers or safe spaces, as people call them, mm -hmm. and then what happens is, as a result of that, that whenever anybody's challenged on anything. Nobody knows how to deal with it anymore. And we're starting to see that happen. We are starting to see that happen, that, you know, these echo chambers pop up. I've seen it for years in various communities. It's not unique to anything. You know, there are people who, you know, live in bubbles and then somebody walks in from outside the bubble and says, I don't agree with you. And they just cannot handle it. Yes. They don't know what to do with it. And I don't think that's good. I think surround yourself with people who disagree with you. That is valuable. That's valuable stuff. And I really don't want to see that fall away. There's a difference between disagreeing with somebody and calling people names and just being hateful and insulting them and trolling them for no yeah, reason. Yeah, but you can't stop that. That's uh, well, not yeah, going to why? stop. No, okay, what? do you know Sorry, what to do then? You Never leave your that. house. Never leave your house. No, no, Never no. talk to anybody and you'll yeah. be fine. But is, yes, that, that is, is that one way, or you can you can force people to behave decently, how or, do don't, you, but how? or don't give them a platform. Just because the answer is difficult doesn't mean we we no, don't. I'm do sorry, it. I have I have been in, on this planet for forty year, forty one years, well and in my forty one years, I have experienced the same, pretty much the same nonsense, the same attitudes towards blindness from day one. Well, didn't remember much on day one, let's say six or seven years old, <laughs> yeah. to today, right? It's nothing really has changed, not massively. Nope. I mean, I remember when the Olympics and the Paralympics came to London in 2012, and I remember people saying to me, this will be the year that things will change because, you know, people were really focusing on the Paralympics and, you know, it was a big deal and everyone was really pleased about it. It lasted for about six months and then just attitudes returned to normal. 
you know, what happened was we were all, oh, you're not a Paralympian? Oh, so you're just a scrounger off, you know, taking money off the state. That yes. was basically what it became. You know, not, I, I, and we have made progress and we should recognise that. There has been massive progress made. I mean, in technology, huge progress. In terms of, you know, our ability to be at least able to have opportunity. You know, we're not just being flung into asylums anymore. That's progress, right? So let's admit the progress. <laughs> well, it is. It's progress. It is, but, but it's totally different from what I'm haven't changed. About. No, no, but no, attitudes yeah, we're, we're haven't changed. We're talking changed. about attitudes towards disability and things like that, and we're talking about how much now people seem to be, I'm going to use the word, triggered by certain things, which you think, actually, you're taking offence at such a mild thing, and you're taking it way, way too far. And I recognise all that. But for... You try being a woman on any social media platform and see how many pictures, inappropriate pictures you get sent every single day. And there's no reason that should happen because the the the, the people behind that social platform should be able to stop that. They should yeah, be able to that. and they but and, the, they and, if these, and if these to. and if these picture if the, if this is reported and it's dealt with and, if, and I've, I, I get all the arguments you know it, it, it doesn't always get followed up and you know oftentimes these things are not dealt with properly but a lot of times it's on an anonymous account or yeah. a, you know the thousandth uh, account that they've made by just getting a free doesn't email doesn't mean you shouldn't report it doesn't mean you shouldn't report no. it doesn't mean you shouldn't keep reporting it until eventually the person is dealt with but that again you're taking it to the nth degree no we're no no here we're, we're, we're you're taking it to the worst case scenario i'm talking about people who will you know say something that you know disagrees with or you know and, and, that, and that is where a lot of the conversation tends to go it tends mm -hmm. to be a case of you're going too far with, with this that. or you know like you're saying you know someone's triggered by something you say oh come on just grow up you know stop stop being so silly and you know that opens up this oh you can't say that to me and that comes from being, as you say, triggered, that word that's appeared, um, that triggering is because people are not surrounding themselves with people who disagree with them. They are surrounding themselves with lots of people who just agree with them. And that's not great. It's not good for society to grow. We can't grow if, you know, you have, you, nobody will grow. If you surround yourself with people who just agree with you all the time, if you are in that scenario, I you disagree. will not grow as an individual. <laughs> Oh, I got you all flustered then. Well done, you. Okay. It's an interesting conversation. I can't wait to read the email inbox. Right. <laughs> uh, stick around. We've got more to come on this. And actually, why does social media make us so angry? Great conversation coming up next on Double Tap. Stay tuned as we continue to review the big accessible tech stories of 2022. Next. You're listening to Double Tap 7 Days of 2022, the big accessible tech news review. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Double Tap. And, uh, you know, I have to say, this this feels a bit like the audio version of Twitter today. We're kind of, <laughs> kind of yes, everyone, shouting each other. Everyone calm down now. Yeah, everyone breath. relax. <laughs> Would you just relax? <laughs> um, Shush. Yeah, no, listen, I, I want to continue. Actually, this is the, t the subject I want to move on to, which is essentially, you know, that what I mean, what is it about social media? Twitter, obviously, is, is part of that conversation. But you know, what is it about Twitter that makes people get so wound up? Is it the algorithm that does it? Is it the fact that it's feeding us information that makes us want to respond? Is that the way it works? Is it basically just a talk show in text? That's a good question. I don't know the answer to that. They, they talk about the engagement economy, don't they? Where any engagement, no matter what it is, is worth money. Mm. So maybe it is. Maybe the algorithm does. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what's happened recently. It just seems like any conspiracy theory has, 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 has an audience, which you just would have thought never would have happened before. And yet... You know, QAnon and all that. You think, how can anyone? But it does. Yeah, it gets so many people behind it, and maybe that's the dangers of being of connecting people. No, <laughs> maybe no, we should stay in a small island. No, this is exactly my point I was making earlier. It's because of echo chambers. That's what causes this, because all these people are sitting in their echo chambers and they meet other people who think the way they do. So you know, the flat earthers all get together and. 
you know, they all decide that, you know, well, this is flat earth. Is, yeah, is, but how is, did that happen? Because before people surely would have just dismissed that about, you know, QAnon is utter nonsense. It's a fairy tale. Same with the flat earth. And yet, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not getting into it. I'm getting excited again. I'm calming down. <laughs> well, listen, oh. let's, let's play in a clip from earlier in the year where I spoke to AMI contributor and uh, voice of uh, many of some, of the, well, many of and some of the shows uh, here on AMI Audio uh, and podcasts as well. Fern Lullum uh, is from England and she joined me to talk about um, really why social media makes us angry. Essentially, the more outrageous you are, the more attention and engagement you get. And this isn't necessarily a new idea. You know, we've seen this in the press for years. You've got to have a hard-hitting headline that makes everyone go, hang on a minute, I need to see what this is all about. And that is essentially the same principle which is now happening on social media to where if people say things that are really shocking, that really provoke people's emotions, those are the things that are getting the most engagement, which the social media companies love, because that's what they're all about. And so that's the things that we're getting fed. So it looks like it's everywhere and it looks like it's across the board and everyone that we see is doing it. But actually, it's just the few people that we're being shown because that's what the social media algorithms and threads are feeding us, I think. And I watched a video about this where they were talking about an American study that showed that tweets with moral, emotional words in, so things that really get you all fired up, um, they perform 20% better. You're 20% more, more likely to retweet tweets with those kind of words in than you would any other tweet. And therefore, of course, like I say, the, the social media companies want that engagement. And so that is what they, what you're getting fed on your news feeds. And that's why we're seeing these shocking, outrageous, what you know, things with very provo provocative language in, because that's what we're being fed, because that's what works. That's what works on the screen. If people aren't retweeting it, if people aren't sharing it and liking it, who cares, really? What we have to remember is social media is just merely a tool and we are people who are using that tool. And I think we need to take back the responsibility for how we're using that tool, what we're saying, how we're going about it. And like you, I'm not somebody who will never call anything out if I don't think it's right. But there is a certain way of doing that that means that you come across in a different way. You, you don't just come across as somebody who only will talk about the negative and who only will see the outrage and the anger in things. You can be nuanced. I think, like I say, though, the, the difficulty with that is if you're in it for the likes and the follows, you're less likely to do it in that nuanced way because that's just not simply what works on social media. But I think you can do that. But it's just you've got to be in it for because this is the right thing and I believe in it and I'm not going to cop out rather than I'm doing this because I want all of the engagement. It is interesting on social media how we are probably more careful. Certainly, I feel this. I am more careful about what I retweet. I'm more careful about what I say. Um, and it's not necessarily because I have views that are abhorrent in any way. <laughs> but it's just that, you know, what is abhorrent 10 years ago? that we're now deciding is, you know, enough to get you cancelled. Yes. Who knows what that's going to be in 10 years' time, right? So you're almost second-guessing yourself. Whenever I send a tweet, I am second-guessing myself every single time. Do you do that? I think, yeah, I think you do have to because not only, even if you're saying the nicest thing, the thing about having it written in such a short you know, short form way is that it can be taken out of context. It can be twisted. People can see things in different ways. And that makes it very, like you say, worrying because I, and I'm always second guessing myself just in general, in normal life. I'm one of those people that can't even send an email without reading it through to, you know, five different people and making sure that it all the commas are in the right places. But yeah, social media, absolutely. You just think, oh God, am I saying something here that somebody is going to be deeply offended by either now or, yeah, like you say, years in the future. I mean, we're both famous celebrities, Stephen. People could come at us. <laughs> well, you can speak for yourself. I, I can't possibly <laughs> comment on that. Um, but, you know, I, I'm one of these people. I, I grew up, I don't, I don't want to ask how old you are, Fern. I would never do that. But, you know, I'm, I'm 40 uh, this right. year. And, you know, I didn't grow up with social media. I didn't grow up with any of this stuff. Uh, and, and I tend to look at it 
as a bit of a joke. I still, to this day, even look at this as a bit of a joke. I'm still amazed that people quote tweets and talk about Twitter as if it's the most important thing in the world. I even laugh when I hear the phrase historical tweets. I think, <laughs> I'm old enough to remember before Twitter. What does that mean? Me a dinosaur? Um, <laughs> but, you know, the fact is that it to me, it just doesn't seem that serious. But how how serious is social media? How much does it really matter in the real world? I think it does have a big impact. And I think part of that is that, you know, we are we have that kind of view of I can't say that I've been deeply upset or angered or some emotion has come to me because I've read a tweet or I've seen something on Facebook or on Instagram, whatever it is, because we think we're going to be seen as pathetic. You know, people are going to be like, oh, get over it. Right. Mm. But at the same time, clearly this is making people angry. This is affecting people's days. And I can talk from a personal point of view when I say that, I have had lots and lots of experiences where I'll go onto social media five minutes before I'll be absolutely fine. Life's, you know, a breeze. It's, it's, you know, I've got a few problems here and there, but it's generally okay. And then I will see something and in an instant, I, it's like a Dementor has come along and sucked my soul. I am instantly saddened and my mood is down and I'm snappy and I'm irritable. It, it, it just it does happen and it does have an impact not only on our lives, but on everyone around us as well. I'm very aware of that. Honestly, that just rings so true. Everything Fern said in that interview just really rang true for me, Sean. You know, that you know, you do you, you read Twitter and I started to think it was me. You know, you would suddenly be, you know, feeling fine, and then you would read something on Twitter, you would read a comment from someone, and you just get really angry, and, you know, <laughs> and it kind of creates that anger. It's built clearly to do that. Yeah, but that's, I mean, she put it far more eloquently than uh, than I think we did at the beginning there, but, I mean, she touched on a lot of points that we brought up. Mm. And also, I think it's really interesting, if the algorithm really is there to to, to actually cause that sort of reaction... Then the responsibility is back with the with the social media platform, isn't it? It's the developers there. Is that? I mean, could you legislate against that? That you don't do an algorithm to upset mm. people? I mean, how would you even go about that? I have no idea. But it just seems so wrong to manipulate people to be almost react angrily. I, I don't know. I, I, maybe this is diving into conspiracy theories, right? But I I, told, I, I know exactly. What you two mean by that? Because, yeah, I felt exactly the same. You well, just get I, something I, that really sets you off. I don't think it's, uh, I mean, I think it might have been a conspiracy theory at one time that, you know, the social media companies were doing all this stuff, that they were kind of programming the app to make you feel a certain way. But, of course, we know all that to be true now. And, you know, I don't know if you ever saw the documentary The Social Dilemma on Netflix, which was a brilliant documentary. No, I didn't see it. No. Oh, it was so good because it really explained to you in, in kind of terrifying ways how these media companies, I mean, Facebook in particular, and how Twitter were, you know, like, I mean, just simple things like being able to, you know, pop up the little, you know, um, the little one or the two or the three beside the likes, you know, when that was added on, how that would, you know, sort of trigger something in the mind because you would see you would have a notification and you'd have to, you know, go off and, and get that. Yeah. And yeah, of course, this... for me, it was interesting because I often used to wonder if, you know, as, as a blind user, would you feel differently about that? Because you're not getting the same visual hit. So you're not arguably not getting the dopamine hits. Yeah, but that's just that. one aspect of it, right? It, it's yeah. far more developed more than that, as we all know. It, yes, it's it's like you know the casinos, isn't it? You know, there's the uh -huh. there's a thousand and one different little tricks they have just to keep you in there, just that little. You'll bit never longer. find a clock in a casino. There you go. There you go. Exactly. Or a window. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> at least one does. At least one on the outside, <laughs> um, you know, but it's it's just, yeah, it's just really interesting. So, you know, I'm, I'm really glad we had that conversation with Fern because, like you say, she put it oh, so she eloquently. Was great. Yeah. yeah. And, um, yeah, the conversation I'm sure will continue into next year as uh, as it moves on. But, you know, I, one thing we haven't touched on is Mastodon because everyone who's been sort of looking for alternatives, it seems in the blind community, is looking at Mastodon. Not the only one. I mean, there's other options out there, but it seems to be the one of choice for a lot of people. And, you know, it seems on my Twitter feed, that's all I hear about. I mean, it seems on Twitter, all I hear about is Mastodon. And if you go to Mastodon, everyone's talking about Twitter. Uh, maybe they should swap around again. But, well, it's uh, the decentralised nature of it. Everyone seems to love that. You know, when it's crypto or whatever it is, everyone want, thinks that 
the decentralization where nobody really owns it, but of course someone's got to run bits of it at some point. So there's always someone there. Um, that of course, someone seems, runs it. You know, then it's, yeah, it doesn't have to be. At the end be... of the day, there's always someone behind it. But they, well, exactly. That's the thing, though. That, that, that's the, what everyone seems to be um, jumping on is the decentralization. I'm not convinced. You know what? I I, I don't know. If, if Twitter goes down, do you need an alternative? Do you, <laughs> you know, what? leave it alone? <laughs> well, I tried Mastodon this year. And you know, it's not that I didn't like it. I just I felt I can't do an, I can't do all this again. You know, I've got to relearn this, and now I've got to understand the rules. And again, it just feels a little bit siloed. It feels a little bit like I'm joining some commune where I've got to you know follow the rules, and you won't get hurt. Mm-hmm. And I just I can't <laughs> be bothered anymore. And I, I especially can't be bothered when it feels you know I, I have spent my life in small Scottish towns where, you know, they would have committee meetings. And there is nothing more soul-destroying than a committee meeting where, you know, and I have to say that is where the the strongest and biggest arguments in life happen. Because, you know, you have one person who has a little bit of power in a small group of people, and suddenly it is like, I am the king and I will decide what happens now. (laughs) And you're like, oh, just go away, will you? I just cannot be bothered with that nonsense. So... You know, I, I, if Twitter goes, then I go off social media. It's as simple as that. I'm out. Oh, simple as that. Okay. Um, yeah, you can listen. You can quote me on that because I will. I am out. I'm not bothering with any more. I barely, barely bother with Facebook as it is. Um, I mean, I've got the only reason I stay with Facebook, to be honest, is because I've got an Oculus account, and because you know I well, have. That's it. You know, I'm connected with a few friends on there. Yeah. You know that I, that were not on any, anything else. So yeah, well, I they won't give the me the phone number. Somebody I shouldn't be friends with them. No. <laughs> Um, there was another big story of the year, of course, that involved Elon again. Um, but this time around, it was Neuralink. Here it was uh, Elon earlier in the year talking about Neuralink and how it could, uh, well, change the lives of disabled people. The overarching goal of Neuralink is to create a, uh, ultimately a whole brain interface. So uh, a, a, a generalized input-output device that... In, you know, in the long term, literally could interface with uh, every aspect of your brain. And in the short term, uh, can, ask, can interface with uh, any given section of, of your brain and, and uh, solve a, tr- a tremendous number of things that, that uh, cause de- debilitating issues for people. So the, the, the first two applications we're going to aim for in humans um, are restoring uh, vision and uh, I think this is like notable in that even if someone has never had vision ever, like they were born blind, we believe they can, they, they can, we can still restore vision. Um, so, uh, because the, the visual part of the, the visual part of the cortex is still, still there. Um, so, uh, yeah, even, even if they've never seen before, uh, we're, we're confident that they, they could, they could see, um, and then the uh, the other application being in the motor cortex, uh, where we would initially enable someone who uh, has no ability, to, almost no ability to operate their their muscles. You know, sort of like a sort of Stephen Hawking type situation, and um, enable them to operate their phone faster than someone who has hand, working hands. Um, but then even, obviously even better than that would be to bridge the connection. Um, so uh, take, take the, out, the signals from the motor cortex and um, let's say somebody's got a broken neck, uh, then uh, bridging those signals to neural link devices located in the spinal cord. So I think we're, we're confident there are, no, there are no physical limitations to enabling full body functionality. I mean, as miraculous as it may sound, uh, we're confident that it is possible to restore full body functionality to someone who has a severed spinal cord. So, yeah. You know, never have I heard an applause quite so muted as that on such a big announcement like that. It almost felt like people were going, uh... Okay, uh, if, um, if you say so. Sounds uh, good. Come on, now this mm. is generations away, three generations at least. This is 
No, no. I've got nothing wrong with saying, hey, look at the potential of this technology. But we are in such early steps of this technology uh, that, that I don't know. It depends on the reporting of this, I think. If it's, hey, you know, a cure for blindness and uh, spinal uh, quad, quadriplegic or any spinal injuries, people are... are I don't know. It's easy to um, set people up with false hope, I believe. And I, I don't, I'm to, not keen well, two, on this two, two key conversations come out of this, I think, from the disability community. I think on one hand, there are people who say, well, I am disabled. I uh, This is who I am. This is my identity. You don't need to fix me. So don't come at me with that. Just just leave me alone. I'm happy with the life I have. And I'm happy with that. So this, this in a way, makes it sound like to those people, I think, that... They are, you know, disability is a negative and it's not something that you you want to have. And, and you know, and a lot of people fight against that. They, you know, we hear a lot about that. And this year in particular, we've had a lot about disability pride. <laughs> and it's not something I necessarily subscribe to this particular doctrine or, or approach. But, um, but you know, again, I'm, you know, people are willing, you know, people can have whatever opinion they wish to have. Right. But then I think there's another side of this, which is people who say, wow, this is incredible. And they get really, you know, excited about it. And they think that, all their problems are going to go away. And I think I worry more about them because I think it's like all these research articles we see every single year, every single month, there's another article that says new sight-saving technology. And then nothing comes of it because it's too early. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I've, I've done it myself. As soon as someone says anything to do with the optic nerve, I'm like, Oh, what, where, what, what, but you know, because (laughs) I'm thinking, Oh, is this it? Is it, is it, is it, is the fix coming? I pop down the doctors next week and bang. I'm yeah. sorted out. I'll drive back. And look, that, I'm that, sorry if, if you're offended by me saying the fix. That's my view. All right. Oh, For me, this is a yes. fix. Yes. My Disability is a negative. I'm sorry, but it <laughs> is. It's a negative against against your everyday activity or task or whatever you want to do. Your own independence. It's always a negative. Hey, my opinion. We'll, we'll see what well, yeah, comes and, and you're welcome to that opinion, right? Yes. I, I don't, I, on this show, as we've said, I've said many times, I don't subscribe to the one true opinion. I don't agree with that. I think that there are many opinions on this, and I think it's important we hear them. And this is why I'm not keen on silos. Come back to my point about Twitter and all these other oh, mastodon you can't leave Twitter alone, honestly. Bird leave or it. elephant? Um, that is the question. Pardon? Well, you're a bird or you're an elephant. Um, oh, elephant, oh, oh, the I mastodon see. Uh, yes. logo. Sorry. Isn't the mastodon yeah. an elephant? It's, uh, yeah, a prehistoric elephant, isn't it? Is that the same as a mammoth? I, well, I, don't I watched Jurassic Park because I liked said... the I liked the dinosaurs. I wasn't really paying that much attention. Right, well done. There we anyway, go. We're that's, out of time. So that's serious. <laughs> thank goodness for that. Covered. <laughs> yes, I think that's covered. I think we I think we, we summarised <laughs> that pretty well. Um, listen, we are back again uh, tomorrow. Yes, we're back again tomorrow. We're going to be talking about uh, some of the big reviews of the year that we did here on Double Tap, so make sure you tune in for that. That's it for us, though, today. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you. Bye-bye. Check us out daily on AMI-audio, and don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Also find us across social media and on YouTube at Double Tap On Air. Catch you tomorrow. Join me every couple weeks for the Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther podcast, where we learn about outdoor tech and tips. Plus, we look at news affecting the environment. AMI's Outdoors with Lawrence Gunther is available from your favorite podcast provider.